Hey, very good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. My name is Sean. This is Alex. And you're listening to another episode. <laughs> <laughs> and you're listening to another episode of Coast of Kings Radio. And today we're talking about our is it our favorite manufacturer? Oh yeah. Is I that think, a thing yeah. we can say on the air in public? We've been saying that for years. So today we're talking about none other than Vacoma, you know, our you know, good little Dutch steel plant turned roller coaster manufacturer. And we're going to talk all things about its history and the rides they have created and everything that you can possibly imagine. And of course, there'll be lots and lots of roller coaster talk. And for those that are interested in following along with some of our stuff, once we get to the roller coaster part of our episode, which we'll start shortly after our introduction, the roller coaster database Vacoma overall glossary will be a good thing to follow along if you don't know some of these models and these pictures or are curious of like for those of you playing at home for those of you who play with this at home you know Monopoly team uh, that's a great place to uh, to look we're not going to go in the order that um, necessarily is found on RCDB and there's some stuff that I think they have indexed not as nicely as um, as I would compartmentalize so um, it's not going to be completely on the same line but um, it's definitely a great place to uh, to look along um, if you are interested in doing so. Uh, but let's talk about a little bit of history. All right. And Alex, are you ready for this? Because Alex is a history buff. <laughs> He's like the history teacher of this episode. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like. I I, I embrace that that label, a history teacher. The history teacher of coaster history. Coaster history. I tell people I'm a roller coaster historian, and they're like, "You made that up," and I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vacoma started off as creating farming equipment, which is so Dutch. <laughs> of course, it was a farming equipment company. Uh, and then they shifted to mining machinery for coal mining in the 1950s. After the Dutch mines closed, wait, why did they close? Is there a I don't reason? know why they closed. I didn't do that much research. Uh, well, now I need to know. Well, I'll, I guess I'll look it up later. Um, but after the Dutch mines closed for reasons. <laughs> the company shift to steel pipe manufacturing in 1965. They then entered the amusement industry in the 1970s when Aerodynamics contracted them to manufacture steel track and supports for European installations. So imagine that, though. Like, you're over here doing the farming thing, and then you do the mining thing, and the mine shuts down, and you start creating, like, pipes for all sorts of industries. And then some manufacturers approaches you and says, like, hey, girls, <laughs> I need, like, I need some coasters built in Europe. You might assisting. And then suddenly that kind of launches you into this, you know, product that you are today, which is just a coaster manufacturer. Crazy. And it just, like, it was kind of necessary for Arrow. I mean, they were, like, trying to take over the world, and it was a great vehicle for them to expand their reach into the European market. They were basically, basically, Vacoma got their start as an outsourcing hub for, for Arrow. But then, as we would quickly find out, they had their own uh, ideas for rides as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, where are we? 1979. Vacoma enters the market on their own. They opened three roller coasters in Europe under the name Vacoma Rides Manufacturing BV. Which stands for Besloten Vernootschap, which is actually just kind of like a private limited company, a.k.a. company. I'm glad you said that and not me. I know, right? You put a nominal if you knew how to write that anyway. That. Anywho's, um, yeah. So roller coasters were like their first foray into the industry, actually, which is not actually always the case with like legacy manufacturers. Intamin started with Tower Rise. Uh, Aerodynamics was a carousel manufacturer, but Vacoma's first amusement industry foray was roller coasters. 
However, they quickly diversified their market by um, launching a Ferris wheel division in the early 1980s. In fact, their first Ferris wheel was the Ferris wheel at the World's Fair in Knoxville in 1982. It was the largest Ferris wheel in the world at the time. Their production model Ferris wheel, which is a 50-meter wheel, was similar to uh, the similar big Ferris wheel product that Schwarzkopf was offering at the time. But at only 51.5 meters, it was noticeably smaller than the new Vacoma version. Um, but if you've ridden like the Ferris wheel at Six Flags Great Adventure or at Cedar Point, those are notable Schwarzkopf wheels uh, in the States. And then Vacoma's standard wheel was peppered throughout the United States as well. Um, you would have found the World's Fair one, the OG, from Knoxville uh, at Darien Lake up until a couple of years ago. Um, New uh, Six Flags New England, Riverside, their giant Ferris wheel um, was a Vacoma. Kentucky Kingdoms, for, for me, I feel like is the most famous. That one is super iconic. Too. I feel like that's the most iconic. Well, that one and then like the Maury's Piers, the Mariner's Pier Ferris wheel, those are all identical Vacoma 50-meter Ferris wheel designs. But they've gone on to build even larger Ferris wheels for places like Delhi, India. Um, I've ridden the, the Ferris wheel in Hong Kong in the harbor as a Vacoma. I've ridden that. Um, the Ferris wheel for Navy Pier, which is now the Branson wheel in Branson, Missouri. That is also a Vacoma wheel. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so yeah, they, they were a prolific provider of Ferris wheels. Um, well into the nineties, the company was then spun off into a separate company called Dutch wheels, which remained a subsidiary of Vacoma up until 2018, which became its own independent Why is the company. first thing I think of when I think of Dutch wheels, like bicycles? I think, of, I think of windmills. I think of, oh, interesting. For some reason. Anywho. <laughs> um, and then there's, uh, we have a, more discussions about the Ferris wheel stuff. There was um, some more partnerships and things. Vacoma did a lot, a lot of subcontracting. In fact, I would say that that is one of their biggest legacies, is not just the work that they did, but the fulfillment work that they did for other firms. Everyone knows by this point that like Vacoma and Aerodynamics had a major um, agreement with with each other and for, for fulfillment ends, but that was actually just one of many. Um, they had several product lines in addition to the more notable coaster and Ferris wheel product lines. They, lo- they did cycle railways, which those aren't very common in the United States, but throughout Europe and Asia, you'll find... Little monorail cycle type rides. Efteling has one. Um, Horse Pedalo at Bobbiad Land is probably the most iconic one that we've ridden. Yeah. Um, They they built two River Rapids rides, both in Belgium for Bellavada and uh, Wallaby Holland. Wallaby Holland is in the Netherlands, thank you. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I thought (laughs) Wallaby Belgium was the other, but I wrote right there that it's Holland. Don't listen to me. Pay me no mind. Um, They had a lot of success with the big players. Uh, Disney and Universal with their giant flume rides. Um, Disneyland Paris is Pirates of the Caribbean, as well as all three of the Jurassic Park River Adventure rides for Universal were built by Vacoma. Um, Vacoma also built Phantom Manor. Like, if you're a fan of Disneyland Paris, you're automatically a fan of Vacoma. Sorry, I don't make the rules. But, like, almost every ride of substance at Disneyland Paris was built by Vacoma. Um, and even in the studio park, like, their biggest, most like their most major roller coaster, their most major attraction, which to me is, is Avengers Assemble Flight Force, is also Vacoma. Um, and then they also, for our Floridian listeners, you may recall a little 
experiment at Busch Gardens Tampa called Rhino Rally, which was a multimodal safari slash throw ride concept that involved taking a safari through the Serengeti area of Busch Gardens Tampa, and then the vehicle would stop on a bridge, and then the bridge would like break and send you floating down the river at which point then you would hit a dam of some sort and then your vehicle would drive out of the water and back to safety. Really amazing concept and like definitely worth the trouble when you think of like Busch Gardens Tampa's proximity to Disney's Animal Kingdom and how badly they really wanted to, you know, fight back against having another zoological theme park in the same region. Um, the, the ride, as, as you might imagine, was extremely technologically advanced. And unfortunately the, the part where the, where the safari, where the Jeep like went on the bridge and became like a flume ride briefly, like, or at least a simulated flume ride, that part, um, didn't last as long as the rest of the ride. They, they, it, it ran into a lot of mechanical issues. Um, that aspect of the ride was retired and then Cheetah Hunt was built in the former space that was occupied by the water portion of the ride. And the two rides actually operated concurrently. Like if you think of Cheetah Hunt as being the replacement of Rhino Rally, they actually operated together um, for a few years. But unfortunately without the water component of the ride, it was the ride suffered from like dwindling attendance because that was like the most exciting part. And then they ultimately closed the ride and then have finally uh, replaced the, the, the infrastructure that was set aside for Rhino Rally has now been upcycled into Serengeti Fire. So that was, I think, one of Vacoma's most interesting concepts. It was a pity that it didn't work out, you know, in the long run. But it was it was just a great example of, of Vacoma really trying to push the limits and, and offer a really great articulated product for their client. And now we're going to dive into um, something I think a lot of people forget about even exists in the Vacoma world. And that is the Flood Ride collection that they've worked on, uh, starting notably in the 80s and, and throughout the 90s, uh, one of which is the Paratower. Yeah, so Paratower, if you have been to Fantasialand, the Tittle Tattle Tree is a smaller version of their Paratower. They used to have bigger versions, like there was one in Great Britain, um, I think there was one in Korea, but like those are all gone. The Tittle Tattle Tree is, I think, the only remaining example. And another ride that I'm not sure if many people know this Vacoma is the, the Regatta. There's like a few companies that did Regatta-style rides. Um, I know Mac has a version of it, but Vacoma did a version um, for Efteling, which is unfortunately not currently... Not currently. It doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. Um, but it sort of has like a, 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 a Music Express sort of moving element. A circular ride where you sit in boats that like travel up and down, and some of them they can rotate backwards and forward and whatnot. And then um, another surprise to me was uh, finding out that there's actually swing rides that Vacoma did, or like swinging carousels, as they call them. They did a yeah. They have a variation on a wave swinger, which actually Ewich Gardens. If you've been to Ewich Gardens and noticed that their wave swinger definitely looks different from all of the others, it's because it's Vacoma's, and I think it's their only installation of the ride. And then there's a ride called the Flesh Dance. The first one we encountered was actually a knockoff version at um, Happy Valley in Shanghai. Um, but there's also one in Everland that's a real one. It doesn't even really do anything. It looks like a barber chair. Like it's a, 
People call it the barber chair, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a tulip. And it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's very, it is, does, it does look like a tulip. It's like, it's, it's like just a, a seat hydraulic. that just goes up and down. Yeah. It doesn't, and the seat can like spin and stuff. But like, yeah, those were when we ever built um, in Asia. And then there's a sky shuttle, um, which is pretty much a big flying island version um, of Fukoma that Intimate is known for. Like people that go to Esteling, you'll know Pagoda uh, or Pagoda is, um, you know, like a flying island kind of ride. Like, that's Intimate. And then there's a version that Fukoma did. Which there's one in Happy Valley, Beijing. Yeah, I think Beijing, Happy Valley, Beijing, I think might have the only operating one left. Uh, I'm pretty sure the one that was actually at Cypress Gardens was a Bacoma. Um, like 99% sure. And then um, one of their more iconic flat rides was the Air Jumper. All of them are gone now, sadly. But they developed um, a double swing inverter type ride with suspended seats. They actually looked exactly like the uh, vehicles from the Macoma SLC, just attached to twin hammers. Um, Premier Parks bu- purchased a couple of these for Six Flags New England and Frontier City, respectfully, uh, respectively. Excuse me. <laughs> Fuji Q Highland also had a pretty iconic one called Panic Clock, which uh, was the last operating version of this ride, and then it actually was only recently demolished to accommodate their new motorbike coaster. Um, their most famous flat ride by far is it's, the yeah, Madhouse. There's so many of them. I mean, is, I'm sure most people listening have probably gotten in contact with one. Yeah. Because even um, the ones at Great Adventure in Six Flags New England are also from this product line. Yeah. This ride is so famous. It's really, Bacoma doesn't really do a lot of flat rides anymore. In fact, this might be the only like standard flat ride that they still offer. Just because it's it's just, every, I mean, there's there was, there's, so many of these, I can't even count all of the Vacoma ones. The original one was at Efteling, but um, you'll find them in all sorts of places. Park Warner Madrid has one. Bellavarda has one. It's actually funny because Bellavarda is themed to Houdini, just like the ones in the States. It's like one of the one of the only clues that you could ever have of Bellavarda ever being part of the Premier Parks era because those three rides were all designed at the same time. But yeah, I think the Madhouse is actually one of Vacoma's proudest legacies and very underrated, at least in the States. Like, there's there are none in the United States other than those two that we just mentioned, whereas in Europe, they're everywhere. It's like every park has one. Well, in Holland? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, well, Holland, Holland has one. I mean, yeah, Holland. they're inescapable. Well, Belgium doesn't have one, does it? Fantasyland has one. Doesn't Wallaby Belgium have one? Oh, no, I don't think so. That's it seems it, like something that, like, every uh, park Bellavarda has to have. Well, yeah, yeah. bellavarda has got theirs. Um, but then they also are famous for developing like the, the double arm gondola type ride, which I'm basically, if you're familiar with the Hus topspin, what you're familiar with is actually a developed, like a development of Vacoma's design where they were the first to create a swinging gondola pitched between two cranks. And Vacoma's versions were cool because the the arms, the cranks could always spin in opposite directions. They had three different versions of this ride. The first one, which was Canyon Trip, um, had was definitely a family ride of sorts, even though it looked really terrifying. And the gondola actually could expand and contract to accommodate the arms spinning in different directions. And then the follow-up to this ride, the Waikiki Wave, would implement a an arm with a joint in it. So it had a single static arm, like what you would find on a topspin, and then a single arm that was jointed. 
and then a larger gondola that could accommodate more people. It was facing forward and backward, like what you would expect from uh, a topspin of sorts. Even like the suspended topspins from from Huss have the forward-backward seating arrangement. That's funny because the traditional ones don't. Right? right, yeah. Both of these first two iterations of this ride, Canyon Trip and Waikiki Wave, were like pretty gentle. They were terrifying to look at. Like if you came across... Like, the first Canyon trips were... There was one at Maurice Piers in the late 80s. If you were a Maurice Piers person between 86 and 1990, you might remember this thing. Busch Gardens Williamsburg actually had one between 1994 all the way up until Apollo's Chariot, I think. Yeah, I guess that wasn't that long. Like none of the Canyon trips operated for very long. They were, like, attractive to look at and to buy, but, like, guest experience was never that high. Um, the Waikiki Wave was a famous fixture at Kentucky Kingdom for a long time. Theirs was called Quake, and it had its own little subsection area with like great theming and stuff. But um, like Fuji Q Highland, Lotte World, Flamingo Land, they all had Waikiki Waves as well. Uh, even Nagashima Spa Land had a canyon trip for a while. It's one of the few rides, I feel like, that Nagashima Spa Land built and then retired. Because I feel like Nagashima Spa Land never, ever retires their rides. The third iteration of this ride, the Waikiki Wave Superflip, was, I think, the most successful. And it was famous at parks like Dream World, Gold Coast, Six Flags Mexico. Um, Wallaby Holland had one for a few years, and then they actually swapped it out for a topspin because it was more uh, reliable, which it's funny to think of anything being less reliable than a Huss topspin. But I digress. <laughs> Port Aventura opened with one. These were really popular in the mid-90s. They offered a really thrilling, excellent ride experience. Um, I never rode a canyon trip, but I did ride the Waikiki Wave at Kentucky Kingdom, which was really cool, but also just, like, way more tame than it had any right to be. For a ride that was so spectacular and intimidating, it really didn't do much. The Super Flip delivered on the promise of an intense ride experience for such an intense-looking ride, and it actually borrowed the development of the Top Spin, which, while while Huss borrowed the swinging gondola arm shape of the of the Waikiki Way to develop the Top Spin, it was Huss that was responsible for implementing a lock system on the gondola so that the vehicle could rotate while the car was static and could perform flips and such. And so Vacoma then borrowed that implementation from the Huss ride to develop the Super Flip. Super Flips were amazing. All of these rides were really cool. None of them are open anymore because they are super mechanically difficult. And they were super loud, too. Oh, really? Like, Louder than a Topspin? Yeah, Topspin had the these rides were incredibly already. loud. And I know more than once a, 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 an installation of these rides was actually uh, ended because of noise complaints. Um and then in addition to all of these flat rides that they developed, like we said earlier, that Vacoma's one of their greatest legacies is actually how well they have worked with other manufacturers to help them bring their products, their designs um, to different markets. But um, yeah, Vacoma actually built a few Larson loops. Like Larson in the 80s wanted to reach markets in the European fair circuit. So Vacoma provided manufacturing for some of their first generation Superloops throughout Europe. Mondial and Bacoma together had a very successful run with the Skyflyer, which was the pretty standard double swinging hammer ride that you would have seen a lot in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Fabry had a version of it called Kamikaze. These were very popular rides. Chance's version was called the Ranger. Um, and then like the suspended version of this ride that 
Vekoma developed the air jumper was also popular from other varieties. I think the Zamperla Hawk rides are probably the most famous of the suspended version of this ride, but Vekoma in the early 80s, along with uh, Mondial, developed a very successful version of this ride um, with the Sky Flyer. Most of them were overseas, but I think LaRonde had one, one and uh, Worlds of Fun had one. Um, The Evolution... The Excalibur at uh, Six Flags St. Louis slash uh, Six Flags Great Adventure was a partnership between uh, Ronald Bulsink and Bacoma. Uh, Brogent, the Taiwanese uh, manufacturer technology group, partnered with Bacoma to build a flying theater for their showcase park in southern Taiwan, which is also home to the only Bacoma Big Air ride. And finally, Wisdom Rides of the Dragon Wagon fame actually had Vekoma build for them a chance rotor style ride called a Gravitron um, that is actually still traveling on the fair circuit today. Look at that. So that is, so now you know the rundown of anything not RCD related. Any ride installation that you want to know about that is not on RCDB, you're, you know about it now. Um, (laughs) And then continue your history real quick. Uh, In 2001, Vekoma filed for bankruptcy uh, which is wild because they had such a wild 90s. Um, and then in 2006, Vekoma formed an alliance with Chance Morgan, which is, of course, the American manufacturer. Uh, Chance Ride represented Vekoma in North America, and Chance Morgan manufactured the Steel Tracks, uh, Steel Tracks for select projects in North America. Um, during this agreement, Chance actually built four Vekoma designed family coasters. Wait, which ones? I'm glad you asked. So they did <laughs> Hang 10 at Freestyle Music Park. And Iron Horse at Freestyle Music Park, formerly, a.k.a. Hard Rock Park. Yeah, formerly Shake, Rattle, Rattle and Roll, Roll and Eagle's Life in the Fast Lane. Oh, those names were pretty cool for <laughs> one year of operation. <laughs> and they also did Freedom Flyer, which was their last project here at Fun Spot America. And they did Steel Lasso at Frontier City, which uh, we'll talk a little bit about that model um, coming up. Totally yeah. seemingly random rides, but I guess Chance provided the fulfillment. It's just a short us. window, you know? It's like a yeah. six-year window. Um and because in 2012, they discontinued doing that. And that so. was the only Vacoma mine train with, like, the standard layout that was ever built in the United States. And now it's gone. Yeah, that's it's so sad, yeah. Um, And then uh, shortly after terminating the agreement in 2012, uh, Chance Drive was given the um, exclusive license for using Dutch wheels uh, to manufacture and sell the R60 wheels, which are the one of the models, one, the giant one, um, in North America under a new affiliate name, Chance American Wheels. It's kind of funny because interesting, you know, even though they're like the Dutch ones, yeah, they're just marked they're as Dutch American, American wheels. wheels. It's like building that like German Schwarzkopf coaster at Indiana Beach and calling yeah. it the All American Triple Loop, as if it, if it was not nothing American. I about wish it. they had just called it American Dryer <laughs> Looping because that was a great name, the All American Triple Loop. Yeah, um, so American. Anyway, <laughs> and then in 2013, Vacoma signed a deal with the Idaho-based Rocky Mountain Construction, which everyone loves RMC, um, and that agreement allowed Vacoma to build on behalf of RMC. Um, outside of the North American market. So Untamed was a partial Vacoma project. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some more projects on the horizon that we have learned about. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and, and then on March 30th of 2018, Vacoma was acquired by Sensei Technologies, the exact same Sensei that is SNS Sensei. Yeah. Um, the good news is, though, because of Vacoma's flourishing at this time already, um, Vacoma's business model remains completely unchanged after acquisition, and it just completely operates as a separate entity, um, which is money slash, you know, financial ties with Sensei Technologies, but really Sensei has no, has no say in, in the operation of Vacoma. Has no Sensei. Uh, yeah. Has no Sensei. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and now let's move and on now to, to the meat of this. To the meat of the episode. It's going to be a long episode. It's 23 minutes. We're going to find out. 50 seconds of preamble. Pull up your RCDB girlies <laughs> because we're going to talk about all the Coma products. And the order in which we're doing it is going to be um, a mix of, of older classic stuff, um, kind of tying together themes to make it as coherent as possible so you guys don't lose complete interest if you're still with us. Um, <laughs> you haven't lost complete <laughs> yeah, interest already. If you're still with us. Um, we're going to start with the Family Coaster, which there's the two models of the Family Coaster, one of which is Calypso and the other is Horus. And these are Horus. new style coasters. Um, for those of you that are just now going to RCDB to join us, <laughs> you can do this best by going to just type in Vacoma, and then you will find a complete glossary. And then you will find there the two roller coasters that are considered the family coaster line. Um, this family coaster, Calypso, is um, one of the new models that can be found in several places around the world. The first one was installed in 2022, so really recently at Emerald Park. And really what it is, it's kind of like the old Vekoma roller skater kind of coasters, the old junior coasters, but like a beefier track. Um, so if you look at all the new mall coasters in Asia, which we'll talk about those in a minute... Um, this is kind of like the same track design. There is one called Dino Dash located in Emerald Park, which is previously Tato Park. Yeah. And, um, that was the first one actually of the whole product line. And then there's one that opened in Fenta Wild Wonderland this year called Pine Tree Rocket, the exact same model, of course, because this is the, um, Calypso model. And then you have the Honey Harbor that's been under construction for a while at Energylandia, <laughs> which will be part of the new Choco Chip Creek no, that's the name of their mind trip. I thought the whole land was called. The whole land is Sweet Valley. There you go, Sweet Valley. Um, and then there's one under construction right now for um, uh, 2025 as well in Winnowland. Do you know what Winnowland is? No. Um, I do. It's in France. <laughs> and that's all we're going to talk about because we got a lot to talk about. And then there's Horus. And Horus is another family coaster from Vacoma that's also a new design. And we find the Horus locations... And the one that we're going to get in the United States, actually, that I'm really excited for is the Midnight Flyer uh, that's coming to Santa's Village, which uh, it's funny because we were talking about this um, a little bit ago when they announced it. And we just know, really I think it's a cute layout. upgrade um, to, you know, the old Vacoma uh, family coaster, the junior coaster, I should say. Uh, but currently, there is actually none that are um, un- that are open yet. So Horus is the newest model. Um, there is also one in construction at Cyclas Kedea. It's called Twilight Express. And then uh, Vedanta World is also building one as well, um, and that's located in, in Mexico. Yeah, the layout for the, the Midnight Flyer is really cute. If you just search Santa's Midnight Flyer in, in image search in Google, the first thing that'll come up is a full concept of the ride's layout, which is really the only good way to see the ride's layout um, at this point, because none of the other installations have photos and then we're going to talk about the uh, Junior Coaster, which is really the preceding product line to this. And I think one of Vekoma's biggest successes, I think especially when you thought about Vekoma's in like the 90s, early 2000s, everyone was kind of thinking about like the roller skaters, yeah. as we used to refer to them as. Yeah, the pro- whole product line used to be the roller skater. Um, but really, that's all been lumped together as the Junior Coaster. And we'll start with the smallest model, which is the 85 meter model. And that's what you find at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, for example, which uh, is just... Almost like one of those older American-style um, family kitty coasters where you just kind of go in like a circular motion with just a couple hops in between. Um, very, very simple. Uh, but then I think the one that most people know uh, is the 207-meter one. There's 27 of them currently in the world. 
Um, and that includes stuff like Woody Woodpecker and Gadget's Go Coaster and Mission to Mars and Moon yeah. Germany. And there are so many of these. This, this is, is just like the, the classic small yeah. Vacoma roller skater that everyone knows. Um, and then the larger model of that is the 247 meter model, which there's 29 of them. Um, and that's a hippogriff, flight of the hippogriff, right? No, actually not. So this is actually the model for the Trans Studio Parks. And Six Flags uh, St. Louis' new rookie racer uh, are okay. uh, this mall model, which is like, kind of like two big helices and some transitions in between. And they're really just designed for a Energylandia has one of these, too. Yeah, actually. Energylandia has, mention, like, Every kitty coaster pretty much mentioned here. Just assume there's one at Energylandia. <laughs> it's the same um, Because they have pretty much all of these. Um, but, yeah, so that is the, the the next model up. And believe it or not, there's 29 of them already. And that's because wow. the vast majority of them are all at the studio park. at Trans Studio Parks in Indonesia. Um, and then the model that you're referring to, there's also oh, yeah. 29 of them, and that is the 335-meter model. Um, and that includes Fighter Hippogriff, for example, at Anzo Adventure. Um, and got the one Wood- in Osaka. Yeah, we've got Woodstock Express over at Cedar Point for our American listeners. Oh, yeah. We have, um, for my childhood, I had Mine Train at Slahara. Oh, was yeah. a model like that. So they are just everywhere. I mean, I don't even have And this is written. also the ride layout that the original, like the OG family inverted coasters would base their layouts on Exactly, which well. we will talk about also in a little bit, too. Yeah. And then there's also 27 custom design ones, which is really interesting to me because... That's a lot. In my head, I think, wow, there's always production models, but there really are 27 different custom ones, um, including Devil's Mine and Fort Fun, oh, which yes. is, is such a guilty pleasure of my... I love that ride. Um, and then Wandering's Opens, Sliding Sleds, and Hong Kong Disneyland is open. Oh, yeah, it's also okay. part of that product. It's also a custom... Um, Junior Coaster, and then Vapor Trail. Oh, Okie Dokie at Bobby Online. Okie Dokie at Bobby Online. That's one a great of them. ride. There are so many of these um, custom ones, but I think it's cool. There's because the one in my head, there's always, Real it's mostly just, you know, the models, but there really are, like, a, a lot of custom ones. Oh, the one Royal in the Oriental, Scotsman the Ori- so Oriental Pearl Tower. Yeah, Oriental Pearl the, Tower and the, the Shanghai uh, Financial oh, Royal District. Royal Scotsman is so good. And Royal Scotsman oh is such a good one. That's the, the one at... Uh, Hansa Park. Hansa Park, the Vacoma family. And then the Vacoma Coaster, the junior coaster inside of Toverlands, um, in, in the indoor area. Toast Express is one as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's just a lot. Um, and then Baby Sell the Promise that I wouldn't list all the coasters in this episode because <laughs> there's so many. It's a good So it's, we're just going to be giving examples. <laughs> um, and then we're moving on. So many. On the topic of custom products. Um, of course, we've got Tron, Light Cycle Run, and Light Cycle Power Run. Oh, yeah, the Orlando custom and family. Shanghai. Um, respectively, we have Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, um, of course, in both Shanghai and in Walt Disney World as well. Um, it's kind of funny because Magic Kingdom and um, Shanghai Disneyland really do share two now of their newest, coolest the coasters. Two, yeah, the, both of their major roller coasters are, are shared with each other. Um, and I think the coolest thing about this this subsection of Vacoma coasters is that the um, agreement slash relationship that Vacoma has with the Walt Disney Company and the Disney Parks. Because some of the coolest stuff we've seen are all just completely custom ride concepts, designs, track systems, vehicle systems that were all designed, you know, coming from Disney having a vision and then Vacoma delivering whatever product was needed to to make that vision. Um, so, of course, you also got Guards of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which everyone loves that ride. Really cool. The Omnicoaster, which is rumored slash semi-confirmed, I think, for the Tokyo uh, Space Mountain replacement. Um, not this exact theme, just the kind of coaster. Uh, of course, you've got Expedition Everest, and you've got Biz- Big Grizzly Mountain Runway Minecars, 
at, at Hong Kong Disney, which are the cool, um, I almost call it like the evolution of a big center mountain. Super mind train, yeah. Yeah, like a super mind train that can have a launch backwards, sections, big drops, like all the cool stuff. Um, really neat. And then there was also a project they did with Universal, which unfortunately didn't fare as well. Um, was the um, the launch coaster dueling as it's listed as this product name? Launch coaster which, dueling. I know, right? What a, <laughs> what a name! Uh, which is a Battlestar Galactica in Singapore in the Universal Studios Singapore. Um, that eventually it started opened up um, uh, with two. Sorry, it opened up with four cross trains. So what it is? It is a racing sit down, a racing inverted coaster, launch up a lift hill with LS LIMs. And then do the whole thing. One is non-inverting, one is inverting. Um, and then I guess the trains were just too heavy. They were too problematic. Yeah, and they were having stress fracture issues at the joints. And so. so then they reduced it down to just two across um, seating. And if I, I can't remember where I heard this or if this is even entirely true. So don't don't take this as, as a complete <laughs> truth. If I'm not mistaken, um, the product that was proposed was actually just two across seating to begin with. It won a higher capacity. They found a way to make it four across. It didn't work out. And then they went down and brought it back to two across anyway. And now the ride's running fine. I'm not sure how true all that is, but um, it is for sure now running two across yeah. trains. It looks kind of cool, it though. actually, you know, runs. Because now, I mean, if anyone knows the franchise about South Galactica, you know, like having the wings on an aircraft makes a lot more sense than sitting on the wings. Um so, like, it looks really cool mm-hmm. seeing the fly-by now, having the really wide train still, but just having only two seats in the middle. But I digress. Is it, did you notice that the Montagna Rusa Tibi Dabo is listed in here with, like, the Oddball Family Coaster? That, I did see that, but I don't necessarily agree, because I yeah. really feel like it should be listed with Fofo Vok and yeah. Crazy Bats. And, yeah, and it's like the same product probably. line as those. But we'll talk about that in, the, in a little <laughs> bit. Um Speaking of um, custom stuff, uh, I want to move on with um, the Flying Dutchman line of products. And flies, of course, um, the craziest thing that Facoma has done, I think, in that category in a long time. Very good ride. Having the, the, the train system be versatile enough that you can use it for, like, a dark ride scene or, like, a movie, um, like, a, like, a screen scene. And then tilt the trains into a flying position. Uh, I think that's really, really revolutionary. And... Even though um, RCDB will list it under the Flying Dutchman collection, I, I, I still think as of now it's either completely its own product line or it's one of those custom designs that they've done for a park based on a park's dreams and wishes. I can totally see when Tazlon come up and be like, yeah, I think we kind of want to do this sort of thing. And then they said, okay, say no more. We're going to make it work. Um, so Fly is obviously um, incredibly spectacular. Uh, I'm curious to see if we'll see another one and if so, where we'll see it. For those that aren't familiar with Fly, it is a launched flying coaster system that has a dark ride section to it. It's in Fantasyland in Germany. And this is uh, such an incredible upgrade to the concept of a flying coaster because of the trains, like the way you board them all sideways in like, almost a like, continuous motion. Um, if they wanted to, they could, they could even apply the moving walkway system to it. Um, not tilting to be in your launch position until you get to the actual... Um, launch. There's just a lot of versatility with this ride, and the trains are very long, which I think is both um, a benefit and like a, a like an attractor of the ride experience because it can really vary on where you're seated in the train, and I feel like the motions are perhaps a little more sluggish than any other roller coaster. But having a launch flying coaster and two by two, meaning you're always in an outside seat, 
Um, and then having that incredible theming by Fantasio adds to the mix. I mean, you can't fight it. Like, it's such an awesome ride. There's a rumor. This ride feels like a Disney project. It's like an Iron Man in, in terms of... Well, that's just it. I have. I think there was a rumor that this system of ride was actually developed with with Disney to do some sort of Iron Man-type ride. And then Disney and ultimately passed on it and allowed Vacoma to sell it to other manufacturers. Because when I write it, I feel like it's it's like a Tron and Cosmic Rewind caliber Oh, totally. Experience. Which is why I use that transition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'm uh, talking to some more about the Flying Dutchman. I mean, Alex actually saw the very first the OG Flying, yeah. Growing up in the Bay Area, we... Vacoma actually used Great America, Paramount's Great America at the time, as a kind of a test ground for the for the Flying Dutchman. Like, the whole ride was manufactured and even tested before it was announced because they knew that they wanted to give themselves time to, like, really tweak the process. But, like, yeah, summer of 1998, summer of 99, I mean, the ride was there and, like, being worked on actively. Invertigo was the new ride for 98, but, like, it wasn't long after Invertigo opened that they started working on Stealth, and that was never even supposed to open before 2000. Like, Stealth actually opened on time, I guess, based on their timeline that they had imagined. But they just gave themselves a really long time to develop it. The ride had a totally different train design at one point that was developed. I mean, it it went through quite the the process. And in retrospect, it was really neat that, like, a park had, had like, basically offered Vacoma to not only develop this prototype but like use the park itself as a as a plant of sorts well, great america had honestly kind of a really like limit pushing history um but always kind of had really trendy rides and of course um having top gun when it opened yeah. was early an inverted game it was, it was a second or third invert right yeah they had um an early era b&m stand-up they, yeah, they were the first go. They were the first park to have two B and M's. They and then you know then building this so like at that time. Oh no, they weren't. Great, great. The other Great America was right because Iron Wolf. Still came <laughs> Iron Wolf. I always forget Iron Wolf is not. Um, an but uh, either way, this was really. I think Great America was really like like a good coaster park. Yeah. back back then. And um, stealth was no exception, and the layout was it was revolutionary. It was. Of course. I mean, I was there from being an inverted coaster to an upright coaster. I was there, Gandalf, three thousand years was ago. Awesome. Yeah, we still have photos. Was there for I, we took pictures on the Skyride of them building it. We were oh, there. We have to go publish for sometime. Media Day. Yeah, we'll publish. I was sometime. there. We were there. We wrote it several times opening year. Remember waiting? We waited like three hours for it on opening day. It was so awesome. You just had to be there. Um, and this model is the 8443 meter model, which is the only one ever built. It is very much the prototype. There are things that they definitely changed after the fact, um, like not having core screws. And um, this went on to be relocated to Carowinds to be named um, Borg oh, Assimilator yeah, first, Assimilator. which was obviously Star Trek themed. And then when the acquisition of the Paramount Parks happened and to the Cedar Fair Company, um, that changed to Nighthawk. And it still operates as Nighthawk today. Rumor is it actually? It's not even a rumor. The trains for Firehawk, which is a a ten a a ten eighteen model, a meter model. That those trains were actually sent to Carowinds for spare parts slash maybe replacing the whole train of Nighthawk. Um, and then there's one left operating ten eighteen model, which there were only two builds, and that is at Six Flags America. 
Batwing, which Batwing. I love that ride. Batwing oh, is so God. good. It's so underrated. It is so good. It's I mean it's way out in the boonies of the park. Like good luck getting there and like from the entrance it's so, so far away. I love but, the changes that they made between the two ride layouts because like stealth was really cool, but there was definitely room for improvement. And I think I feel like the changes that they made with the larger with with the Batwing uh, X flight layout are like wonderful and substantial. Because what they kept was really what worked the best anyway. Yeah. Like having because I like when you get up there like you're on your back on the lift hill. On the Flying Dutchman's, and then yeah. you flip over as you crest the Flipping lift hill. over at the top of the lift. And then suddenly it's like, wow, now you're really high moment. up, and it's like this wow moment. And then yeah. you dive straight down to the ground in like a straight down drop. And then a giant horseshoe turn, which mm-hmm. um, on rides uh, on the on the B&M counterparts, like Star Sky Ripper and Tatsu, those are some of the best yeah. moments of the rides. And the Flying Dutchman invented that moment. And then... You uh, flat back on your back and you do like a big swooping turn on your back, after which you do a vertical loop that's it's on your back. Just like the you know, the second half of that vertical loop, like looking down and oh diving down onto your back is you know, it's There's like it's like the moment else. of the pretzel but this reverse operation. Speaking of Starry Sky Ripper, I know we've talked about this before, but we want to oh, remind everyone that Starry Star Sky, Sky Ripper is a, basically a flying mm-hmm. Dutchman. Yes, it's like <laughs> literally like the order operations on the right are practically flying it's Dutchman. Li- <laughs> like straight the draw, horseshoe, uncanny. like doing the vertical loop, the double barrel exactly, roll at yeah, the end, exactly. helix. Which we love that ride, by the way. Yeah, yeah having a transition, like a light to fly transition in like a turning high element, that's all very Vakova flying Dutchman. Yeah, um, but yeah, and then adding. The inline twists instead of doing the course cruise and having like a giant helix at the end. I really think that the, the 1018 Batwing yeah. model. It's a huge improvement yeah, because improvement. you spent so much more time flying in the flying position. I think that's the biggest criticism of stealth was that you didn't spend more time in the flying position than you did laying on your back. Yeah, I think but it's a roller coaster. I, I really think the lying at the down time, the marketing <laughs> wasn't even so much that it was. I, like, they weren't even. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, they, they were marketing it as a flying coaster, but when they were developing it, even though it had the part, like the product name, like, Flying Dutchman, it wasn't all about the flying. It was also about laying on your back. Like, that was – the fact that you traveled either – the fact that you were traveling, like, face first parallel to the track was really the main marketing component. And not – I guess, like, their idea of flying didn't – necessarily hinge on being face down and under the track with nothing beneath you but like flying in the most technical like in the most i guess the most basic state was like that well you could be flying on your back too like all of it is flying yeah but that didn't translate as well i think for riders i feel like for riders you really only feel like you're flying when you're on when you're yeah, face facing down, down yeah which is but why I think the sensation of rushing on a roller coaster head first laying on your back Practically feels like you're inverted the entire yeah. time because you're looking up upside down. You know, it's like when you lay on the ground or sit in a chair and like you look yeah. backwards. Like you're kind of it, it gives you a sensation that even though you're not completely inverted, like you're kind of hanging inverted. So I even enjoy the parts of the ride that are on your back. I, I love the corkscrews that, on on Nighthawk. Like oh, I think too, they're yeah. a really great element, even though flight is not necessarily the first feeling that I think of when I'm experiencing that. It's just great in its own right. Well, what does work on the course is almost like the loop. It's like, you know, you have that bone, but you look straight down yeah. and then you drop on your back again. But yeah, you're like, you, like you did say, there was a lot more time spent on your back on that. That's where on, um, on the new, on the, on the later model, there's a lot more time spent flying. And yeah. I think that was really the biggest difference in, in the two models. I don't models. think they realized until after they were riding it in person, like how different the two sensations were. 
and that like going forward being face down in in the fly position was going to be the more marketable trend qual- yeah. quality of these rides versus the laying down part. I mean, this calls back to Roller Coaster Tycoon, where like the Vacoma Flying Dutchman and Roller Coaster Tycoon right, yeah, is called a lay down yeah, coaster. Exactly. Um, and then another ride that's technically part of the Flying Dutchman um, situation, only one was ever built, you could almost lump it in with the custom rides, is the Stingray. Um, and Stingray was at the Sucho Giant Ferris Wheel Park. It didn't even make it until we went to Sucho, so it didn't last very long. <laughs> it was a well-intended yeah. product. It was uh, quite simple. It was a, um, you, it was a giant, almost like surfboard-looking ride vehicle, two rows of four. You would fold back just like you would on a... Flying Dutchman, and then you would go up a vertical lift, and you would crest a vertical lift, and then you'd be flying in a flying position. You did the same thing. You would do a straight down drop. You would do one of those nice horseshoe, um, horseshoe turns, and then there was a couple more elements after which you would then fly into the station, almost like a pretzel loop onto your back. It really wasn't that large of a ride. It was. A, it was. But, but it, was, it was sizable for like was, you know a concise little, park. It's yeah. sort of like it, the footprint and the scope of it reminds me of like a 4D free spin. Oh, totally. And, like, the capacity, like, what they were trying to or do. Or the new coasters. They're really not that big. Yeah. Like, they do something flashy. I like, and I think it's clever that, like, a pro- going up the lift hill was your, was your lie-down, lie-flat moment. It was, like, it had a very fluid moment where, like, you would dispatch upright, and then as you, like, as you approached 90 degrees in the lift hill, that's how your seat would, would lean back kind of simultaneously. I feel like that moment, like doing that so fleshly instead of, you know, doing the layback sequence in the station before dispatching, which was like, I think the biggest thing that, that really hindered the early flying Dutchman's was like dispatch times were so hard. They really, really like in the original concept for stealth, the, the seats would, would lay back on the lift hill. It was like a separate hydraulic And they tried doing system, that. And they for, did. Uh, they tried doing that for Kings Island's Firehawk. Um, after it moved from Six Flags, Worlds of Adventure, you know, when it was yeah. acquired uh, as X-Flight. And then um, the trains would not fall back properly. And one train and they wouldn't during catch. testing <laughs> got damaged. And that's why Firehawk, despite being moved as X-Flight to Kings Island as a three-train ride... It only ever had two trains because the third train during testing got damaged yeah. because it tried doing the folding the blue thing train. <laughs> on the lift hill. It didn't fold and lock, so it folded <laughs> it back like open. slammed itself back and forth. And the then it got damaged. And so, and it's funny because yeah, a good friend of ours actually got us a track piece of Firehawk. Um, was able to tell me that story while we were having lunch in like Valencia. Funny enough, like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, that is the flying Dutchman situation. We love flying coasters. We love flying coasters. And we especially <laughs> love the Flying Dutchman. I always have said that I think the Flying Dutchman's are a better product than the Flying Coasters from B&M. And I don't think don't hate that me. used to I be a hot take. I just think they're more intense. And now it's not. Like, yeah, I think people agree The number of people intense. that would take Batwing over Superman Ultimate Flight is Yes, high. that was the biggest thing. Like, I'm talking product models. Yeah. Like, we're like, uh, the production model. Production model. Yeah. Like, obviously, you can't be like, oh, Batwing is better than Tatsu. Or like, you know, Flying Dinosaur, because these are massive custom rides that are on like mountainsides. And, yeah. Um, Although, you know, that's I hard mean, to Batwing say. Batwing holds its own. Like, Batwing does hold its own. Don't get me wrong. We love Batwing. But it's a little harder to compare that, like a setter model, to to a custom crazy thing like Tetsu or like a BM or Superman Ultimate Flight. Like the ones, the one at Six Flags Ever Georgia is good, but the one at Great Adventure and Great America on a flat piece of land, they BM really thought they ate. (laughs) 
and they and they didn't like they didn't eat the way that they thought that they did. That's funny. Tatsu, they ate like that was all. That was all. And <laughs> moving on to where Fakoma thought they ate the Winter Coaster Collection. No, Fakoma totally ate. What? Okay, the Winter Coaster Collection. I did. I have not written all three because I'm missing Thunder Coaster. You're missing Loop Garou. I'm missing Loop Garou. Slash Veerwolf. Um, but the Winter Coaster was an interesting era for Fakoma because they two entered the race and they were able to sell three of them. Um, of course, two of them, the Luke Gavu and Robin Hood editions, were due to the crazy amount of rides they were selling at the um, Six Flags Wallaby and Six Flags Holland transformational windows, in which Six Flags just bought up a bunch of Akomas, and I'm sure they got a package deal. And I know for a fact Wallaby Holland got a package deal, because between La Via Volta, um, Express, or Dan Superman... And Robin Hood, they, they got some sort of package too. Yeah. But, um, and Luke Gavu must have also been part of that because they, they were also building um, Vakomas left and right at Wallaby, Belgium. Um, but yeah, so let's start with actually Thunder Coaster that you've written. Oh, Thunder Coaster is awesome. I feel like... So it's, different than the it's, other It's obvious, like, it, it wasn't exactly a challenge for Vakoma to sell something to Wallaby Holland at Wallaby, Belgium. For obvious reasons, like if there was a, it was if there was something that existed from Vacoma, that was probably the easiest market was to sell like right outside your doorstep. So, Thunder Coaster was really cool. It's the only wooden coaster in Finland. It's the only wooden coaster that has ever been built in Finland, and one of very very few in Scandinavia in general. And they did manage to carve out this little niche of like Vacoma built these roller coasters all very close together. Like in very, like they were all built within two or three years of each other. And, and then the whole product line, I think retired, but it was like, there was a wooden coaster Renaissance happening and custom coasters international built a couple coasters in the nineties and then dipped. Like they never got another client in, in, in Europe and uh, gravity group, you know, didn't exist yet. Um, Custom, Great Coasters International hadn't made it overseas yet. So, like, there was a brief period of time where the modern wooden roller coaster had, like, was having a renaissance all over the world, but there weren't actually that many Well, it's funny because there was an episode some, somewhere in the past, and I forget where exactly it was, but um, we were talking about rides like uh, Bandits yeah. in Park, Germany, and how when Bandits opened... There were no wooden coasters. Like, yeah. now Europe is peppered with them. Yeah. But Europe really was almost strictly steel coasters only. So when um, Six Flags and Warner Brothers came in earlier in, in this race, and they started building, for example, Bandit at Six, uh, sorry, at uh, Move Park Germany, then Warner Bros. Super World Germany. And then they also <clears throat> eventually added, um, around the same time as, as the Loop Gavu Robin Hood Thunder Coaster moment, they were installing Coaster, Coaster Express. Express. This was new for Europe. Like... Having a wooden coaster like Pegasus was early in the race at Efteling, but all things considered, right now you've got so many woodies. Yeah. Um, but when Fogon was building them, there really weren't that many in Europe. Like it was a marketable. Yeah, attraction. mainland Europe was having a modern wooden coaster renaissance totally. that even maybe even eclipsed what the U.S. parks were having because a lot of U.S. parks were building their second or third wooden coaster via these newer manufacturers. Those Whereas were such an American concept. These parks in Europe were building their first wooden coasters. I still remember as a kid, like, riding the wooden coaster in Wuppert, Germany. Not to repeat myself, but, like, we, we called it the you American coaster. called it the American coaster. coaster. Because, like, the idea of having wooden coaster was so American. And this was right as Robin Hood had opened. Like, this was, you know, this was the, the Six Flags Holland, Wonder Bros. World days. Like, yeah. 
you know, like it was unique to have wooden coasters at your disposal, and especially that close to my house. Yeah. Just, so basically, to make a long story longer, the wooden coaster product line <laughs> of Vacoma was born out of this sudden necessity. Like wooden coasters in mainland Europe were suddenly a hot ticket, and a lot of the developers in the United States didn't quite have the ability to fulfill a European market on top of the American market. So Vacoma. Saw, Vacoma's always been so good at following trends and getting in when it was time to get in and getting out when it was time to get out. Because by the mid-2000s, the wooden coaster boom had kind of crashed a little bit. Great Coasters International carried on, but like Custom Coasters International had a bankruptcy. Things started to slow down or, or just become a little bit more articulated. Things weren't actually happening with the same like swiftness that they were in the nineties and two thousands, other companies like, uh, RCCA, like would suffer from bankruptcies and, and lawsuits related to, uh, poor fulfillment on their rides and stuff. So like Vacoma came in, did their thing, got out, they built yeah, three, it's funny. I Say what you want, but these coasters. are sturdy wooden roller coasters that, that stood the test of time. That's where a lot of the RCCA the, stuff um, assembled. In. I loved the rolling stock. Vacoma's answer to a wooden coaster train was a very, interesting very like old school-esque like it almost had this gosh it, they kind of looked like steam locomotives there was some, there was just a styling about them that i always thought was cool thunder coaster had a great layout and i'm really glad that they built this ride it has uh it actually runs gravity group trains now yeah um loop garou not only is it the last um i guess it's not it's not it's the last of the Vacomas, you know. But it's an original state. That and it's an original state. The original trains and obviously Robin Hood is completely gone. In fact, our, we had a dedicated trip to Wallaby Holland to ride Robin Hood. To ride Robin Hood. It's funny because I've ridden Robin Hood a lot as a kid, and I always liked it. And I want to highlight now that I've ridden both Lufkawu and Robin Hood, and I know enough about Tucson Fleet's Thunder Coaster to make this judgment. Is Vacoma did a really good job. But these are all just completely custom Very roller coasters. different rides. Like, you would say, like, okay, the manufacturer that spent the entire 90s and uh, early 2000s is cloning, 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 cloning. At, like, you know, at the business, a successful yeah. business rate. And the wooden coasters were all uniquely designed. The one at Wildwood Hollow was built around, like, a marsh, like, around, like, a swampish kind of, like, wetland. Wildwood Hollow. I um, loved Robin Hood. Love Robin Hood. And then, of course, uh, Wallaby Belgium's Loop Garou is located also above water and has a really nice long layout with like a helix at the end, which a complete 360 helix on a woody is honestly kind of unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's not too many of them. Yeah. And then Thunder Coaster is a really big, sprawling hillside um, f- coaster that seems to focus mostly on the hills. Um, they're honestly all very different. They're fabulous. You've got to respect to that. And it's only it's like a two-year window as in much history. As, and as yeah. much as I love... Untamed, like I miss Robin Hood because I just thought it was and a really fun, OG too. unique ride. I know, yeah. I liked Robin Hood too. It was a really likable ride, but so was Untamed. It's a good yeah. time. Um, anyway, so not to spend too much time on the Woodies, that people probably forgot they even made those. Yeah. Um, we're moving on to the Mind Train collection. Um, we love a good Mind Train. You finally Vekoma rode your is... first like classic Macoma layout Mind I Train. I did um, at Wallaby Belgium just for this past a couple year, of weeks ago, a month ago, yeah. I wasn't there. Um, time flies. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll start around. Um, we'll start at the um, at the seven eighty five meter model, which there's seven of them. Um, Calamity Mine, famous from Roller Coaster Tycoon Two, from the Six Flags uh, you know, situation, located in Wildwood, Belgium. That is the OG, awesome ride. Love it. Uh, I'm glad I got to ride it because I've ridden a knockoff version. That's right. We rode Joy World, the one. At, 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 this is the same park that has Starry Sky yeah. River. 
So not only do they have a B&M flying coaster that reads like a flying Dutchman, they also have a knockoff Vacoma mine train that was built by um, Golden Horse, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. And then, or Jimbo Rides, you say. Something, uh, yeah. Which we should mention her in this episode. And then we have uh, Jungle <laughs> Racing um, and Heavy Valley Beijing is another example of that. But yeah, that's a classic layout. Uh, quite long, actually. But then there are longer layouts because they also made six custom ones, including Big Thunder Mountain, Railroad, and Disneyland Paris. Yes, it is mm-hmm. a Tacoma. That's right. It doesn't necessarily have the same traditional Tacoma track. It's in some spots you can see it. And the trains are much more like Disney-fied, so it doesn't have the, the seats that are in the front, for example. Like in most Tacoma mine train coasters, you can sit in the front in the locomotive. There's two seats there, which is not even like that comfortable or anything, but it's just cool to sit in the locomotive. Like we did it on Colorado Adventure a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, cool stuff. And yeah, Colorado Adventure, I think um, my favorite mine train in the world, maybe... Um, Oh yeah! What I just a fabulous, love Colorado Adventure. It's cool, a fabulous, fabulous long, ride. Crazy, nicely themed ride. And Fantasyland Go Figure intertwines with um, Chapas. Great ride. Uh, Choco Chip Creek coming to Energylandia as part of Sweet Valley opening next year is also a custom ride. Uh, Mammoots, which we know from uh, Gardaland, is also a custom one. So these are all kind of custom, custom layouts. And I highly advise you to look into some of these because most of them are really well themed. Um, so Google, uh, RCDB them, Google them, YouTube them. Go watch some of these POVs. I love a good mind train. And then, oh, there's a seven. What's the seven? Seven. Oh, okay, I see. Oh, wait. Did I skip an entire? No, there's. Well, Romacoaster database seems to think that there is also uh, another version of this ride, the seven seventy meter one. Oh, but then there's nothing in there. No, it must be false. Okay, I, f- I But then I'm there's gonna... some that are like, why? Where is um? Could have sworn my research was pretty tight here. It is tight. It's very tight. But where is um oh Iron Horse Freestyle Music Park? Why is this considered a custom? It's literally Oh, interesting. So apparently so the one that I rode at at um Hard Rock Park apparently is really similar to the standard, but it has um some slight different shaping in it for whatever reason. This is the one that was manufactured by Chance Ride. Right, right. <laughs> because I was looking at it, I'm like, where is the one that I wrote? This was the one that I wrote that I, like, it was cool, but then at the same time, it was like, oh, there's no theming for this ride. also wrote the one at Happy Valley Shenzhen, which has apparently been demolished, allegedly. Yeah, but that's a clone, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that one yeah, is yeah. is the clone. But I was I was just looking at Rokas Studios. Yeah, like, where is my Iron Horse? Yeah, yeah. I, I and I'm just saying the ones that I've written. Um, but yeah, I guess apparently the one that I wrote at Freestyle or at uh, Hard Rock Park is a custom of sorts. And so the Fakoma lineup of rides, obviously, we, we barely touched on it so far when it comes to the actual coaster collection, um, which is about to get a lot more exciting. Um, we're going to be splitting this episode into two because we are about to talk about Hyperspace Mountain in Paris and the LSM coaster coming in and then a whole MK1200 collection uh, of, of models and rides that I'm sure you've been on and, and custom rides, all the kind of good stuff. And then, we, then we're going to move into all the new stuff. Um, there's lots and lots to discuss still, uh, and we're really excited about it. But since we're already in an hour, we were going to catch you um, on next episode for that. So next week, tune in again, and we're going to do, I think, the even more exciting part of this uh, Vakoma episode. Full of all of your favorites, my favorites, the jibs, you know, praise the jibs. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, if you don't mind, leave us a good review or five stars, preferably anywhere you're listening, like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, all the good stuff. 
and we will catch you on a head and bang in the next episode. Wait, Choco Chip Creek is huge. I thought it was a clone of like the standard of the Calamity Mine one. And then I was like, oh, it's even bigger. It's even bigger than Mammut at Gardaland, which is the Calamity Mine that has a third lift hill. With the third section, yeah. Choco Chip Creek is 1,200 meters long. Like, it's a huge ride. We love that. Too bad we can't go there because we're gay. Um, Anyways, we will pick this up, like you said. Um, (laughs) uh, And and we will be with you with another hour of uh, Vacoma excitement (laughs) in our next episode. Sharing is scary. See you next week. Bye. Bye.